he knows and I continue to tell him how pivotal it was what he did for me. We are go for liftoff in T minus 30. All systems are And on this episode of the Great Escape podcast, I'm talking to Ian Harding. And Ian describes his journey through college, uh, basically partying, drinking, and uh, ending up incredibly out of shape. And how pivotal one particular friend was in helping him make that turnaround. Uh, Ian, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Stuart. I'm really looking forward to it. You're very welcome. So tell us a bit more, what was life like before you decided that something had to change? Life was um, partying, going out, having a good time. Um, and it it was never, <clears throat> I, I won't say never, but it was... Um, it was just a, a fun time. I was just going out, having you know, great memories with great friends, um, getting to experience college, and getting to really meet some new people and and have some some fun out there in the world. Um, but it, it got to a point where it wasn't fun anymore, and it was becoming more of I don't know of a habit or a you know, I'm not even really sure what the right word is for it, but it wasn't just about having a good time anymore, um, and it was about almost needing um, to do it, and that was not something that I wanted to do or wanted to live by. So kind of the behavior was becoming addictive. Yes. Even if, yeah. Yeah, right. I mean, and... And I'm sure we'll, we'll kind of get into a couple of the specific stories, but um, it was definitely just it was getting to a point where it, it wasn't it wasn't good, it wasn't healthy, and I was very lucky to be able to see that, realize it, and also do something about it. Yeah, and it's kind of that transition that I'm interested to explore. So, at some point, you realized made a decision that life had to be different uh, what what kind of tripped you over that decision making point so i actually had um i had two experiences where i was out and partying and it did not end well um the first one was probably the quote unquote better of the two um i was at a, a friend's wedding and I hadn't really eaten very much that day, and it was an open bar, and so you can pretty much just, you know, predict what had happened there. Um, I indulged in the open bar on a fairly empty stomach, and, you know, that escalated fairly quickly. Now, did I do anything regretful? No. Um, but it just felt like I was, you know, I was the guy that was heavily intoxicated now i spoke to said friend after the wedding and they were like nope you were pretty much on the same level as everybody else but for me consciously i knew that i was a little bit over the edge um as my father used to say when i was a kid and so it but that wasn't the wake-up call for me right you would figure okay got a little out of hand nope that wasn't it so i um 
when I was in college, I had actually just gone through a pretty bad and ugly relationship slash breakup and went out with some friends and long story short was well overserved at some of the local bars and ended up on foot about a mile and a half from the the town where we were on a backcountry road at you know 12 30 1 o'clock in the morning uh, completely pitch black with no idea how I got there and the only way to get back was by foot because everybody else was just out partying that night um, and so that was the experience that I knew I really needed to make a change and obviously when you're you know walking back a mile and a half after a night of drinking you have a long time to do some some thinking um, because I wasn't exactly walking at a very brisk pace um, so I was able to kind of reflect on that and really reflect on like what what are you what are you doing like why are you doing this um, and what are you going to do about it and what conclusions did you come to on that walk or was it not on the walk it was later that that happened well so on the walk I knew that that wasn't necessarily the best life that I could be living and even the next day when I woke up um you know I thought it was a funny story it was something I could laugh and joke about you know and tell my friends um especially the ones who I was out with the night before because they were like where the hell did you go like you were with us and then you you were gone and I'm you know we're laughing and joking I'm like oh you're never gonna believe it I ended up you know out a mile and a half away so it was just a you know a joke at that point but kind of the more I reflected on it and this is one of my I guess issues I guess you could say one of the 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 troubles I have is I reflect on things a lot good or bad um and sometimes I reflect on them too much you know and I just can't seem to let it go um but I was reflecting on it and reflecting on it realizing that it's not that's not a funny story I mean I was on a backcountry road like I really something really bad could have happened um so I knew that I needed to make a change so really the first thing that I started to do was just to cut down on the alcohol consumption that was the very first thing um I was not like I said I was not addicted and so it was, I mean, I don't want to say, I, I don't even really remember whether it was easy or not, but it was one of those things where, you know, I didn't have to go through treatment or anything like that. Um, so I was able to handle this kind of myself before it seemed to get too out of control. And that was the first step that I made in the transition was to really just cut back on the alcohol consumption. Okay. And so in a sense, that decision, you, you made the decision and you were able to to act on it pretty much immediately. Yes. Yep. I Because I knew that to the, to the point in, uh, in excess that I was drinking, I knew that that, that needed to change. Um, and so 
that I won't I'm I, I'm really trying to reflect back now and I can't I can't figure out but I really in my heart of hearts I don't think that that was something that was difficult for me at that time because I wasn't dependent on it I was really just using it as a vice and just overusing it as opposed to abusing it but I'm sure there's some people out there who probably could have their own opinions on on that yeah and I think that's it's a very valid way of looking at it because there's a big difference between kind of social addiction uh, with a small a and the physiological alcoholism addiction and I think the one tends to lead to the other and perhaps the uh, the joy of your story is that you hadn't got into that horrifically destructive stage yet. Correct. Yes. And it it absolutely could have gone there. And it very easily could have gone there. And you mentioned uh, in your notes when, when we were setting this interview up that there'd been a, a particular friend that gave you a push. Uh, how pivotal was that? Or was that did that come later in terms of other things as well? So... It came a little bit later, but it was a that was one hundred percent the most important part of my story, and I still stand by that, and I still stand by that friend. I still talk to him. Just saw him last weekend, and to this day, he he knows, and I continue to tell him how pivotal it was what he did for me and it didn't even stop with just that first interaction that we had and him getting me started I mean he's traveled to the national championship with me halfway across the country twice Um, I mean he he has been there since day one and he's been one of if not I would yeah he's been one of the biggest supporters for sure Um, so he just gave me a basic plan of what to do. And I reached out to him because I was starting a new job at a new health club. And I had access to the health club, all of the equipment, all of the resources there. And I had tried to do it before, but I never really wanted to. And it was this time that I really, really wanted to do it. This was something that I was finally making the decision on. I didn't have someone yelling at me saying that I needed to run because I had to get in shape for some, you know, sport or I I was doing something in PE class. You know, we were doing some run test or presidential fitness testing and they were telling me I had to do it. This was my decision. And so as pivotal as it was and as as important as it was to have Jim telling me what to do, it was also equally as important that this time around it was my decision to start. And that is partially my personality and I think partially what made it successful. And I think I'm leaning more towards it being my personality 
that if you tell me I have to do something, I'm not going to do it just to spite you. But um, I think it's very, very important that, you know, it's your decision to get started and your decision to get going, no matter what it is, whether it's fitness or not. Yeah, absolutely. And I think in any um, change environment, whatever the changes you're trying to make, the single most motivational thing is when we decide for ourselves that it's got to be for us that actually I want to make this change. I, I've seen people talking about drug addiction. You know, I want to get clean because social services tell me I can see my daughter if I'm no longer taking drugs. Uh, so I'm doing it for her. And actually, not until they sit there and go, no, I need to do this for me, do, is the change likely to really stick. Yes, absolutely. And it is. guess what? It is important to... to 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 do it for your daughter or your family and especially if it's you know in respect to getting clean or getting in shape because you want to be around for those people right but the whole reason that I started my Instagram and Facebook and now podcast and it's called do it for yourself is because that you have to come first it has to be for you, you know, you have to, it, it's the same as when you're on an airplane and they're going through the, the safety check and they say, you have to put your mask on first because you have to take care of yourself first. If you don't take care of yourself first, you're not going to be around. So that that's how it, it all, it you know, it's do it for yourself. Do it because you want to do it. And that's why, that's why that quote means so much to me because from that first workout and the first time that I showed up to the gym to the first time that I went for a run to the first time that I did a triathlon, it was all because it was something that I wanted to do and it wasn't someone else's plan. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you talk about um, you know, doing triathlons and, and national championships. Yeah, that's, that's not a trivial transformation, sort of losing 100 pounds and actually going from what I guess was a pretty couch potato life to actually reasonably elite performance. So actually when I was, um, when I was overweight, I still competed in sports. So I played football all through kind of the elementary and middle school transitioned to high school when I was playing lacrosse in high school. Um, so it really didn't get to that almost couch potato status until college because I wasn't going to play sports in college. Um, it was really just more of a kind of a passion when I was younger. Um, but I think the the transition and the transformation comes because this was something where I could directly see the results from the effort that I had put in. And so I could see that if I continued to train and worked hard, I could see the results right there. Like I could see the times getting faster. Um, I could see the race results coming in. And it was also one of the first things that I felt like I was successful and competitive in. In lacrosse, 
I just did it because, you know, a bunch of my friends were playing. I would score, you know, some goals here and there, but I was never like a, you know, top level lacrosse player. Mind you, I don't consider myself the top level triathlete, but it is something where I have had some success, right? I have stepped up on the podium um, for age group awards and I have qualified for the national championships. You know, it, it, the national championship is is not just something that you can register for. You, you do have to go through a, a qualification process um, in order to get there. And in some of these bigger races where the competition is, you know, a little bit stiffer, um, you have to place fairly well in your age group. So I think it was, this was something that I could see some success in. And so I wanted to just pursue that a little bit more and kind of see where it was going to go and where it, it could potentially take me. The success breeding success concept where you've seen success, you've tasted it, and you've enjoyed that, that's actually helped you keep focus on not heading back to the life that happened beforehand. Absolutely. And that comes from the success breeding success comes from the weight loss, right? Because every time you step on the scale or your clothes fit a little bit different, or you can see a visual result that maybe doesn't, it's not reflected on the scale, but you can see it when you look in the mirror. Um, it was all about those little wins along the way for me during the weight loss. And that transitions into triathlon because not every race is going to be your best race. Not every workout is going to be your best workout. But being able to find those little areas and those little successes and being able to build upon those. Um, and on top of that, just, you know, when, when you... There isn't really a better feeling than being able to step up on the podium, and especially um, when it's in front of friends and family who have been supporting you the entire time. So it's really my drive of just wanting to be able to show everyone, you know, that the hard work does pay off. Because sometimes people look at you like you're crazy when you you're like, oh, no, I'm sorry, I can't you know, go out tonight or do this tonight because I have a big workout tomorrow morning or, you know, no, I had meetings this morning early. And so I, you know, I have to do my training after work. So, you know, it, it's a little bit of a balance and it's not always no, right. There, there's definitely times where the answer is, I'm sorry, bike ride, like I'm going to go, you know, do this today. Um, but at least when you can show them how much that hard work pays off. Um, that's a, obviously a very rewarding feeling as well. Yeah, both for you and, and for your family to be able to celebrate that success with you. Oh, and Stuart, I mean, listen, don't get me wrong. The, I am not the only one who's making sacrifices here, right? I mean, yep. uh, everyone around me also has to make sacrifices um, when it comes to this journey. And so that's why I am forever thankful for them and and the support and some of the sacrifices that they have also had to make and that's uh, a trade-off that perhaps they in your case they weren't aware that you've because sacrifice is a is a complex concept on the one hand 
you make sacrifices in terms of do you socialize no because you've got a training session tomorrow that you want to focus on because you're aiming for a particular event but the other side of that is actually if you had continued with the partying and the alcohol you know that would have deteriorated the family would have paid a very different price mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely and I, I actually i made a joke which was kind of a joke and kind of not a joke but i don't know if she realized it at the time but um one of my favorite memories from the past two seasons has been um there's a race in august the finish line happens right on the beach i mean this is a very typical summer summer race right and my grandmother has been there on the beach to watch me finish for the last two years right which is absolutely amazing i mean it's amazing to have my parents there my girlfriend there but but to have my my grandmother there who is very old school sometimes and it seems like you know there's definitely some things about this whole thing that they are like what you know they just don't get it and i don't blame them for that so when they were there my grandfather was asking okay so what time do we have to be there tomorrow morning this and that and i told him what time and he's like oh what are you kidding me we got to be there you know it's seven o'clock in the morning we're supposed to be having our coffee by then i turned around and i said well i mean it's better than coming to visit me at you know visit my my tombstone or something like that and it it was i meant it as a joke but at the same time i'm like well i mean (laughs) you know who knows it's hard to say where things could have gone right and you never want to to think the worst but you also never know i mean things could have gone down a very different path yeah absolutely when at what point did you begin to say, actually, I have a plan, I know where I'm going, I know what my life wants to be, or are you still just going essentially from one competition to the next um, and just enjoying life without a, a sort of a master plan, even if the master plan morphs and changes along the way? So I did, ha- I did have a master plan, and um, my master plan was to really focus this past season on two races which was two different national championships in two different styles of racing the first one in august which happened in cleveland ohio and then the next one which was supposed to be in october in florida Um, the plan was to put all of my eggs in those two baskets focus on those races train very hard for those two races and hopefully qualify for the usa national team which would then compete at the world championship level which happens in luckily enough for us here in the states in edmonton canada in 2020. um unfortunately due to a snowball and series of events that occurred um, I had to actually put that whole plan on pause Um, so the national the world championship will be in Edmonton Canada in 2020 which is probably the closest that it's been to the states um, since it was in Chicago but because of 
the events that were just ultimately out of my control. Um, I could not commit to traveling to Cleveland, you know, getting a hotel, doing the race, because that's the, that gets to be a very, very expensive trip. Um, and the October race that I was going to focus on had actually been moved and they picked a different venue, which is in Tucson, Arizona. Again, very expensive trip to try and do. So um, I was very focused and when I got the news of some of the events and started to realize that things weren't going to go the way that I had planned, um, I got really, really upset about it and I got really down about it and oddly enough, did not turn back to some of my old habits, but I just kind of threw in the towel and I was like, well, if I'm not racing, then, um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to waste my time training and instead I'm just going to, you know, sit on the couch and watch TV and just wallow and be, you know, oh, oh poor pitiful me. Um, and I, I came to that realization and it was through the help of some, you know, some of my friends, including um, Jim, who got me started. But I returned to training. And like I said, I was actually very lucky and very blessed. I was able to do the Wildwood Triathlon this year, which I wasn't even sure I was going to be able to race at all. Um, it did the Wildwood Triathlon and had a very had a great race. Um again, was able to, to stand up on the podium and, and, you know, impress my family and get some pictures. Um, and so now it's kind of, we're just going to take the wait and see approach because I was getting to the point where training was starting to control everything. And that was the end all be all. And I'm doing this sport for fun and to keep me healthy. This sport is not paying my bills. And so I didn't see that until I had to take a step back and realize, oh, wow, you know, this was maybe getting to the point where it was a little out of control and I didn't have to quite take it to the point that I was taking it to. So long story long, um, I did have a master plan, but unfortunately that master plan was derailed. And so now I am, yes, just kind of taking it as it comes. Uh, and that's a really fascinating insight into yourself because you sound like you had swapped one thing that was becoming addictive and you allowed something else to begin to take its place. And then you spotted that that was what was happening. Um... So I actually, I actually have the opportunity to go speak to some classes at a university here. And I had worded it that way. And the professor, it's a drugs and alcohol class um, that is actually required for some of the health majors. And the professor kind of looked at me and almost as if to say, I would prefer or that's not the way that you should say that that you you know replace one addiction with another because that that is how i was looking at it as well um but it's actually fairly common for people who are living in recovery to also be in triathlon there's actually a number of people who are in the triathlon world um, who are living in recovery. And I haven't quite figured out what that correlation is, um, but I think it has something to do with 
being able to control the pain and putting yourself through pain. Because when you are in the throes of addiction, you're putting yourself through pain, right? And there's a lot of pain associated with addiction. I don't know that, you know, from personal experience, but I have seen it quite a bit. And I can see how much pain goes through and the suffering that goes through. And there is also an amount of pain and suffering that you go through in the sport of triathlon whether it be you know two three four hours on your bike um on a saturday morning or the pain of just going as hard as you possibly can for an hour straight in a race you put yourself through a lot of pain so um i yeah i definitely traded one thing for another um i don't know if i was necessarily getting addicted to the training but i think it was definitely something that i had to take a step back and look at and sometimes in life you're either going to take a step back and and reevaluate things on your own or there's going to be circumstances where you're forced to take a step back. And I was the latter of the two. I was forced to take a step back and, and take a look at what was going on um, and ultimately make a decision. And guess what? Now I am enjoying my training more than I was when I was chasing that, that goal of qualifying for Team USA. Yeah, and that's often something that really hard for whether it's athletic or any other your career aspiration or anything else is actually sometimes easing off the gas a little bit and and relaxing into enjoying the thing you're doing uh, otherwise it's just becomes another thing that you're being driven to do and and actually isn't helping you particularly absolutely absolutely i i agree a hundred percent wholeheartedly because it and if you if it then turns to that you're not having fun and you're not going to want to do it and then that completely defeats you know the purpose of doing it that i'm doing this for fun like i said this isn't paying my bills i'm i don't get a paycheck for this i know you've got your own podcast uh which we will leave um in the show notes uh, tell us a little bit about your podcast so when i started this journey um I was looking for, oddly enough, a quote to put onto what's called a road ID. And it's just an ID that you wear on your wrist just in case, God forbid, anything were to happen while you're training outside. It has all of your necessary medical information on there. So I was looking for something to put on there. And I'm looking around, looking around. I land on this quote. Do it for yourself. I don't even know where I found it, how I got to it. But I'm like, wow, that really encompasses what I'm doing. So I got started the Instagram page for do it for yourself. Started, the, you know, the Twitter, the Facebook, everything. And just started to post and share my story about how I was doing it for myself. And I had started listening to podcasts really love some of the, you know, the big names out there, Joe Rogan, Rich Roll, some of these really big guys who are out there. And I'm like, wow, that would be fun to sit down and talk 
to people about how they are doing it for themselves. And I have to know some people, you know, I have to be able to reach out to some people. Come on, I, you know, have a couple followers on Facebook here, have some followers on Instagram. Some of these people got to be willing to come on. And I just let it go. Let it go, let it go. Never really followed through on it. And I kind of regret that now because there were some opportunities that I probably could have taken advantage of and some conversations that I could have had that I can't have now. And finally, it got to the point where I woke up one morning and I said, you know what, forget it. I'm going to the local music store. I'm buying, you know, the recorder, the microphone setup, and I'm going to start this thing. I'm, you know, I'm going to do it for myself. And then the next thing I did was I made a list of 52 people who I was going to reach out to because my promise to myself was if I was going to do this, I was going to commit to one year of podcasting and then take it from there and see where it goes. But this wasn't going to be just a, okay, you know, I'm going to pump out five episodes and then realize that I don't like it. No, I'm going to commit to one year of doing this, see where it goes. Oddly enough, the people who I thought were going to say no said yes, and the people who I thought would say yes actually ended up saying no. So that list of 52 people changed up over the course of the year um, rather quickly, but I committed to that year, and now I am still podcasting and really, really enjoying it. Through this world of podcasting, I've had some amazing opportunities, not only to sit down with people who I honestly thought that they weren't they were going to be like, who are you? You know, like, I'm not a big namer like Joe Rogan or Rich Roll or some of Tim Ferriss. I mean, some of these top, top level podcasters. But I also have amazing opportunities like this one today to sit down with you and share my story with you and the listener of your podcast. So it's just something that I didn't really think that it was going to get to this point. I mean, I did think that and I had the dream that it could get to a point where you know, I could be building something up. But at the same time, I mean, I'm sure you've seen the stats of how many podcasts get released every single day, you know, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and all over the place. So um, yes, I I am out there. I'm doing the podcast thing. I have been doing it for um, coming up on two years now. I started it in in January, um, so I'll be hitting my two-year mark this coming January, and it's just been, it's been so much fun. I really, really enjoy it. I'm having a lot of fun. Um, I love having the opportunity to, you know, upgrade some gear and and look at some things that, you know, that I had when I first started and, and kind of transition to some of the things that you know I have now um so it, it's just been in a it's been a ton of fun so anywhere where you can get your podcasts um the do it for yourself podcast is is out there excellent thank you so much absolutely thank you Stuart thank you so much for listening to this episode of the great escape podcast you can find other episodes at all the usual places on iTunes Stitcher and Spotify or at the website greatescapepodcast.com forward slash episodes and if you'd like to contact me to talk about any element of this episode or others have covered please go to greatescapepodcast.com forward slash contact and you can find all the ways of getting hold of me there and if you're stuck in a situation and you can't find the way out please go there send me a message and let's see how we can work together to get you unstuck and moving forward with your life again 
Please do share this podcast with your friends and family, other people you think might appreciate it, and comment on episodes or send me a message. I'd love to keep the conversation going.